we can't just say, oh, look at what really matters. What if it's what really matters that divides us? How are we agents of God's peace when our divisions are over really crucial issues? I think God gives us the grace and the power and the love to be able to do that. I don't want my political differences to come in between that. I want my testimony for the Lord to be what's loud, not my opinion. Well, 2020 in America could pretty much almost be defined by division. Some really deep divisions that go a lot further than just the usual kind of stuff you'd be expecting in an election year. There's conflicts that are fracturing. They might be running right through your close social circles or your family, even your church. And that's what we're coming together to talk about today is division. How we handle it, both in our interpersonal settings and even culturally at large as followers of Jesus. You're listening to episode 11 of If That Makes Sense, a Family Life original podcast, and I'm Tim. I'm Robbie. I'm Trinity. And I'm Mike. How do you do personally with division? How's that generally work out for you in your life? I, I was never good with division or multiplication or subtraction. <laughs> Math just isn't my thing. Da-dum. This is my thing. It's good. That's Sorry, good. That's just all I was thinking. No, of when that's, you're that's all right. That's all right. I like that. Long division in particular. Well, I can tell you the serious answer. I usually just avoid division and conflict. I'm mm-hmm. like, hmm, sounds like this person doesn't quite see eye to eye with what I'm saying. Instead of bringing my point to the table, even if I think it's maybe more right, I'm going to just... Smile and nod. Yeah, I'm agreeing over here because that's my own unhealthy response to disagreement or disunity. If I can't find a way to kind of tweak what I'm saying to be able to agree with you because, whoa, you're just way out there, then yeah, smile and nod. It might not even be a smile. It might be more of like this pasted on grimace that's like trying to look kind of like a smile like... I can't wait till this conversation's <laughs> over because how could anybody think what this person's saying? Conflict is uncomfortable, but I'm also pretty opinionated. If there's something that I'm like, mm, this is what I think, I usually hold to that pretty firmly. But I've learned over the years, it's probably not worth it to get into this heated discussion about this particular topic, whatever it is. And whether it's with mm. a family member or a friend or on social media, <laughs> which we've all witnessed Thank conflict you, social on media, social media. <laughs> Something that I've sort of discovered, I'm really not consistent in how I handle disagreements or division. If there are a hundred different people and there are a hundred different divisions that I'm dealing with, I'm probably going to handle those 100 different ways. I also have a, a tendency to be able to see a lot of different perspectives Sometimes mm. that can be a good thing, yeah, yeah. I think, because you can definitely resonate with people who you might not see eye to eye with. But sometimes that makes it even more confusing when you're trying to figure out where you stand. And then I think also sometimes I tend to place people as more important than their ideas or beliefs. And mm. so that's smiling and nodding, but knowing that I don't really agree with that but I don't think it's worth getting into. Right, right. And that's the thing is that there's a rubric for understanding what's worth it, what's not, and how do you how do you judge that? I mean, would you agree that there's a place for actually saying, no, I disagree with you, and here's why, and here's what it is? I would say there's definitely a place for that. So my follow-up to that super obvious question, <laughs> like how often do you ever actually do that? Ooh. <laughs> For me, it's like never. It's like really 
super rare that I will actually come out with a disagreement, even with a brother or sister in Christ, when I think they're seeing it wrong. Not because I'm being holy and want to be kind to them, but because I'm being selfish and I want to preserve my comfort. Not even necessarily preserve our relationship. It's better for your relationship to work through hard things sometimes. I almost never do that. Well, I think it's the whole like, you know, don't cast your pearls before swine. Like if you think that responding to them isn't really going to go anywhere and they're just in it just to state their opinion and not hear anything you have to say, then I feel like it is sort of like a waste of time because they don't actually Hmm. care what you have to say. I don't know how you always determine when that point is, but I feel like there is a time to be like, not worth it. And I feel like there is a time to be like, actually worth it. And here is what I think and why. That's good. It's like understanding the terms of the disagreement. I don't have to enter into this because you're not here to listen anyways. And you're not here to try to teach me either. You're just here to try to fight me versus knowing when you're talking to somebody who's just honestly got a disagreement with your faith or your perspective or your politics and has a genuine disagreement with you that they don't want to just make into a fight. And that's a good place to enter into that, even though it's uncomfortable. Well, it makes me think of it makes me think of what does the Bible say? So I think as many times as you can let the word speak for itself, it just depends on, okay, well, is this a person, a Christian who believes the word or not? Because if not, then who cares? They don't care what's in here. But letting this speak and say, well, this is what this says. The Bible talks about division and talks about disagreement. So what does the Bible say about handling division or what are some ways division gets handled in the Bible? Well, you mentioned the the social meds there, Trinity, and how that is people just use that platform. And I think this passage in in Matthew um, 18:15, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. So I think, okay, that might be dealing more with interpersonal sins or conflicts and things. But what I think is key in there is the going to that person. And so I feel like social media isn't going to a direct person. It's here's what I think world about this and blah, blah, blah. And just, okay, but what would it look like to send a personal message? Or, you know, I I saw your post, Tim, and I I was just thinking about it and I'd I'd love to talk about it. You know, do you want to go get coffee and we can talk about like making it a a one-on-one thing instead of just going back and forth on social media? Or on the flip side of that, not going to other people like, did you? I can't believe what Tim wrote. Can you believe that? Like, I can't believe he said this and this and that. Yeah. But making it more towards you and I instead of how can I spread that around to everyone else in my circle and not actually talk to you about it. So there was a time when I was young and I was less wise than I am today. And I made a political post. <laughs> and Tim, what were you thinking? <laughs> um, it was definitely the last thing of a political nature that I ever posted. Not, not inflammatory, not extreme. It was pretty standard stuff. Anyways, it, it didn't go over well. Just some people having really negative responses to it. So what I did was I, I commented directly. They used to call them private messages. Pretty much what they call Messenger now on Facebook. Sent a message to the person who very publicly and very opinionatedly took extreme umbrage with my post. And 
just kind of like laid out like, hey, haven't talked to you in a long time, but here's here's what I was thinking behind that. And I'd really be glad to talk this over with you and kind of laid it out in a few points. Even though this person was really interested in making a very public post, they apparently weren't even remotely interested in actually letting me know their opinion or having any kind of, never heard a message back, never got a message back. It's just kind of really sad because it goes to say exactly what we were just saying, like not to make myself the perfect person or whatever, because I'm not, I've already said I'm bad with conflict, but like, yeah, talk about some wisdom behind what Jesus says in Matthew 18 when it comes to dealing with division. If you've got a problem with something somebody does, like go to that person and talk it out with them. The New Testament, I feel like unity is such a key theme throughout the gospel. Paul's letters to the different churches, James and Peter talk about it. But one section that stood out to me specifically was from Ephesians 4. And it says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, that's specifically to the Christians. We need to maintain that unity with each other and set an example for the people who don't know Jesus Christ. Not only do we need unity with them, but the same applies to, Mm. like, how you interact with non-believers. Put on all of those things. It's just so challenging to read a verse like this from Paul and just be like, okay, he's telling us that this is what we have to put on. We have to be gentle. We have to show humility and patience with each other, whether it's conflict with a Christian or conflict with a non-believer. Those verses were challenging to me, but also I recently reread the book of James. Chapter 1, James chapter 1. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, Mm. and slow to become angry Mm. because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Oh, wow. Mm. As soon as there's something about, you know, the riots, the coronavirus, whatever it is that's dividing people, you know, in our congregations or outside of that, are we being slow to speak, slow to become angry? And I'm, (laughs) I'm not. I'm not. But you guys really, can probably tell right now. I'm not. <laughs> That's a so, great. I'm really glad yeah. you. I'm glad you brought that up. Well, here's what the Bible says: Be slow to talk, and quick to listen. Yeah, let it never be said that the Bible doesn't get where we are today, because it does. I just was looking through some things and found Colossians four, which is sort of. Yep, that one's mine. Sorry. Oh, I had Colossians <laughs> 4 too, Robbie. Well, I, I, just <laughs> I won't say it though. I don't <laughs> have it. You guys uh, can. Uh, <laughs> we'll fight over it. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This specific is like towards outsiders. Mm-hmm. Um, make the most of every opportunity. Your conversation be full of grace. I want to be able to get into that more is that idea of the difference between how we're interacting with believers and unbelievers. Mm -hmm. Well, there's this fascinating and uncomfortable story in Acts 15, and it's where Paul and Barnabas split and go their own separate ways. I say uncomfortable because it seems like this story is contrary to what I believe about disagreements and divisions. I have this idea that somebody has to be right and somebody else is wrong. In this story, who is right and who do I side with? They can't both be right. At least that's what my my little mind tells me. 
And so here we have Paul and Barnabas. Paul's definitely like this big hero of the faith, and Barnabas probably isn't quite as well known, but he's also a pretty big character in scripture. And so in my thinking, it sort of goes back to that stereotypical, well, if you just believe enough, or if you just pray enough, or if you just do this or that enough, you'll realize that there's not really any division. And how do you, how do you reconcile those ideas of Paul and Barnabas having a legitimate disagreement that they end up splitting over that just doesn't compute in my mind? So I was thinking, I was asking myself, I don't know this to be a fact, this is just a question. Is it possible that God allows divisions that he never means to reconcile? Just looking at this specific situation, they're not disagreeing, as far as we know, over some sort of doctrinal issue. Nothing doctrinally is at stake here. This is more just a personal judgment call, personal dispute. And is it possible that Maybe there's not a right or wrong answer here. But what I love as I'm reading this, I notice two things. First of all, that this dispute, this conflict didn't distract them from their mission. It didn't take them off course. And also, even more so, could this specific dispute have led to even more work having been accomplished for the Lord through this because now suddenly there's two parties going out and doing this instead of just one. So it's possible that there's times where we can acknowledge our disagreement as being something which we can exist with the tension and we can agree to disagree and God can use that tension and God can use even the division that comes from that for his glory. And it can be one of those things, like you said, Mike, that God allows without intending to resolve. So I think that's really interesting. My question that I've been wrestling with for this year, and I don't know the answer, spoiler, I don't know the answer to this, so I'm coming to you guys to help not know the answer with me. How do we disagree? when we can't just agree to disagree. So we, we talk about the idea of looking past our differences and looking at the bigger picture, but what about when we're divided over those very things that really matter? What about when, when we can't just say, oh, look at what really matters. What if it's what really matters that divides us? How do we do that? How are we agents of God's peace when our divisions are over really crucial issues? Well, I found a really interesting verse. This is also Paul writing a letter, and he says at the end of his letter, Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. Whoa. I thought that was really That's interesting because harsh. this is a strict, like, he strongly opposed our message. So I think it depends on, okay, what's your message? The gospel, I'm pretty sure, is what he's referring to here, the message of the gospel. And so it's just interesting because at one point he says, the Lord will repay him for what he has done. So I love how he's just like, that's up to God. I'm not out to get this guy. I'm not out to seek revenge. I'm not going to take him to court and sue him. 
that's up to the Lord. Like, he did do me a great deal of wrong, but first of all, the Lord will repay him. But you too should be on guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. So I think when you're looking at the message, and I think for us it's the message of whatever we're talking about in Scripture, specifically issues that are in the Bible— if someone is directly opposing what's in here, I can't I can't even agree to disagree because in that instance they're not correct because God says this and you're saying the opposite. Can I add something to that? Mm-hmm. Interact with that a little? So what I think is interesting about that is Paul saying if you see this guy, oppose him and watch out because he's a snake in the grass. He's not just talking about any old public figure, any old unbeliever, I would imagine if he's writing to a church by name about another guy by name, it's probably in a church context. Like this Alexander guy comes knocking on your door Sunday morning and wants to get behind the pulpit or, or wants to show up in your Bible study or wants to start serving in your church. Watch out. He's got bad motives. I would guess because Paul opposed a lot of false teaching. I would guess he was probably spreading heresy in an early church setting and he was probably undermining believers. I'm imagining that this is happening inside of the church because we see in a lot of places where Paul disagrees, even over the gospel, with people who aren't in the church. But I think his response to them is a lot more gracious. It's a different kind of grace for people outside the church than inside the church. I think if somebody inside the church claiming to speak for God is really speaking for the kingdom of man or for Satan, then Paul's saying, no, no, we're not associating with this guy as a believer. So that's how he's talking about dealing with a believer who you've got a sharp disagreement over, who's opposing your message, which when Paul says my message or our message, he's talking about, like you said, the gospel. When Paul's talking to unbelievers, though, he's got a really different perspective, it seems like. I love when he's talking on Mars Hill in Acts chapter 17. Pretty much the forum where he's speaking is a place where a bunch of Greek philosophers get together and share new ideas. Like, that's what it is. It's like a TED Talk sort of thing. He's in a context where he knows he's sharing his beliefs with other people who don't share them, who aren't Christians, who aren't even Jews. He knows that they worship all kinds of idols, and he's burdened by that, it says. His heart is hurt to see how many idols they worship. And he doesn't get up in their public forum and say, you guys are worshiping idols and don't you know idols are fake and don't you know that's an abomination to God and you're going to hell unless you repent and believe in Jesus right now. He could have said that. But what he says to these people who are outside of the church and outside of the fold of God is, I want to tell you about a God you might not know about yet. And he works from what they already understand to lead them into what they don't understand yet about Christ. He doesn't expect unbelievers to act like believers. He doesn't expect unbelievers to know what believers know. And he treats them with that kind of grace. So I think that's Paul practicing what he preaches. Like in Colossians 4, you were saying earlier, walk in wisdom towards outsiders and let your conversation always be seasoned with salt, full of grace, so that you know how to answer everyone. That's a really good point, even specifically looking at unbelievers. Because you can't expect unbelievers to act like believers. Yeah. It's like they, they won't. Well, what did Jesus do with unbelievers that he talked to? You know, people that lived sinful lives. He treated them with grace. Yep. But it was the people who claimed to be speaking for God mm-hmm. that he was he had sharp disagreements with. Yep. And I think winning 
winning with love in that case. If you're talking about abortion, if you are something like a pregnancy resource center, you're one that says, hey, do you want to come in? Do you want to get a sonogram? Look, this is your baby. And if you, you know, if you continue to have this pregnancy, you give this, give this baby up for adoption or we'll help buy you diapers or, you know, fighting with, with love. And so not saying, you're going to hell. You're a murderer. You're wrong. And God says you're wrong. Like, okay, well, yeah, abortion's wrong. But then do you fight it with hate or do you fight it with love and say, look, this is your baby. It could live. You could put it up for adoption. Have some flowers. We want to support you. We want to love you. I don't know. Just yeah. fighting with love yeah. instead of fighting with hate. I've got Romans 12 written down right here. Uh, verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. For those of you listening to this podcast who don't know, I am married to Tim, who's also in this podcast. Here I am. So this morning, I had some time before I had to start getting ready for work. So I'm like, I'm going to just see what's going on in the news this morning, which is never a really good idea. <laughs> like, like after you read your problem. I mean, I don't know. But, and I immediately <laughs> just was flooded with so many emotions, anxiety and fear and anger and frustration. And I'm reading the news, I'm just like, I just can't even believe all of this stuff is happening. And I was just super affected by it. And I guess for me is just remembering to pray for compassion, because it's so easy to just start reading these things and look at people and you're like, they're they're doing so much wrong. It's, it's not okay. God loves these people. It's super easy for me to be opinionated and fiery. But just remembering like, what is my motive? And do you have compassion for this person because they they probably Mm. need the Lord or maybe they just need to be encouraged and what can I be for them what's what's our heart is it is it a heart of love or a heart of hatred and anger and God calls us to love our neighbors and our enemies which is really tricky but I think another really important question is how do we know when to get involved with with things that are happening look at any number of the conflicts happening right now here today, how do I know when to get involved? And Lord of the Rings is one of my favorite books and and movies. And it makes me think of Treebeard is having his little meeting with all the Ents trying to decide if they're going to go to war or not. And they ultimately decide, this isn't our war, we're going to stay out of it. Mary passionately says, how can that be your answer? You're part of this world, aren't you? I think that that should be a question that we ask ourselves. Even in the Bible, we're told to be in the world, but not of the world. And it can be so easy for me to just shy away from things and let somebody else figure it out. But I think that we're called to be involved with things that are going on, albeit in the right way. How do you do that? Again, motives and make sure it's starting with love. But also, I think that God has placed each of us for right now, right where we are. Whoever is listening, God's placed you in the specific place right now in front of the specific people that he wants you to influence. So rather than focusing on changing the world, which can be really overwhelming, I think sometimes we need to focus on just the audience that God has placed us in front of. And I think that 
going back to social media, I think maybe that's an argument that social media is not always a great place to share your thoughts on any type of division. Obviously, there are some people who, who God has given that platform of social media to influence the entire world. But for most of us, I think probably he wants us just to be focused on the people who are actually a part of our lives every day. Well, I have a story to tell. It happened this morning, actually. Tim and I hopped in the car on our way to family life, and we have about a 30-minute drive to work. So I was like, let's listen to The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom, which for those of you who don't know what that book is about, it's about um, a woman who is a Christian who lived through World War II and the Holocaust, and she hid the Jews during that time, and she just has this incredible story. We finished it just as we were pulling into family life, and it's just... It's just a really challenging story to listen to. We're not facing the horrors that they were facing back in the 40s. And I just can't imagine living through that. And it's just so scary to think about. But Corey and her sister Betsy were just mistreated. And they lived in the concentration camps. And Betsy didn't make it. Her father didn't make it. But Corey ended up making it out. The whole time, she just really wrestled with loving the people around her, loving the soldiers who mistreated her. You listen to her story and you're like, yeah, she had every right to feel that way. Like, what a horrible thing to live through. God just really used that to teach her forgiveness. She was able to forgive the soldiers that mistreated her. There was this man who approached her after church and she didn't want to forgive him. He was a soldier who who had mistreated her and her sister Mm -hmm. in the concentration camp. Yep. She didn't want to. She was so angry and she just pleaded with the Lord. And she's like, Jesus, I can't forgive him. I I can't, but please help me. And she said immediately, she just had this incredible feeling of warmth. And as she reached out to shake his hand, she in that moment was able to forgive him. And I'm just like, wow, here I am just being so discontent and angry about the things that really aren't affecting me right now that are just out there that are happening. And I'm, I'm heartbroken that it's happening. But then you, you just listen to a story like this. If someone like Corey Ten Boom can forgive somebody, I can too. I think God gives us the grace and the power and the love to be able to do that. And I don't want my political differences to come in between that. I want my testimony for the Lord to be what's loud, not my opinion. Thanks so much for hanging out with us again, and if that makes sense, if you heard something that you enjoyed, we would so appreciate you sharing this podcast where you share things you care about with the people you care about. And don't forget when you're at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast goodness to check out the other Family Life original content there as well. Like Therese Talk with Family Life Morning's own Therese Main, 10 Minutes With, conversations with musical artists, authors, and other Christian names you'll know all in around 10 minutes, just to name a couple. Thanks so much, and we'll talk with you again in the next one.